God's grace is far beyond what we know. And it is by His grace and by His grace alone that any one of us will find ourselves in heaven one day. (laughs) We're not going to find ourselves there because we've been good enough to get there. We're not going to find ourselves there because we've gotten saved by being good. Nor are we going to find ourselves having got there because after we got saved, we were good enough to get there. (laughs) We live in an age where there are a thousand different beliefs for any particular doctrine in the Scripture. And brethren, we have to be a people who know the Word of God and understand what we believe based upon what God says and ultimately Him alone. We might listen to a man preach the Word of God, a.k.a. this man. But understand that I, I'm alive. The scripture says, may God be right and every man a liar. Well, guess who every includes? This man. And I would be telling a lie if I said that I have not told a lie. And I could tell lies meaning to do it, trying to be deceptive, but I can also tell lies Because I am not all-powerful and know all things. Moms and dads, have you ever told your children that you're going to do such and such a thing by such and such a time and it never gets done? Is it because you were trying to deceive your children? Or was it because you don't know all things and you don't know what's going to happen in the future? (laughs) Right? Now, let's be honest also, we've been deceptive. (laughs) We've told lies because we didn't want to get in trouble. Even as Christians, we've done that, even if it was a small one. But our God never lies. And you know where we find out what God says that He never lies from? This book. Starting there in Genesis and finishing at the very last verse of Revelation with not one little bit in between, not what God says. (laughs) May God help us to have great confidence in His Word. And so when a man preaches the Word of God, be ready to hear what that person has to say if he has not shown himself to be a heretic in the past. Now there are many people that you ought not give one minute of your time. Not one minute. Not one little moment of your time. Because they are heretics and they preach those things that are so far away from the Scripture. One of the prevalent philosophies and beliefs in Christianity today ultimately leads to this idea that Christianity and our way to God is filled with nothing but works. And it has everything to do with me and you and nothing to do with God. It is a philosophy that says that our lives need to be filled with pleasure... And that is those pleasures that draw us near to God. That's a lie. That is a lie. Because there is not one person who ever knew and loved God in this book who did not love and know God through pain 
and suffering. One of the biggest difficulties and problems in our Christianity today is pleasure. We live our lives hoping that we will find pleasure from this world. Rather than saying this, God, your will be done. Jesus said that most famous of phrase, not my will, but yours be done. Not right before he was going to be tempted with pleasure, but to be tempted with pain. And we also need to remember that as people in this world, we are going to fail. We are going to sin against our great God. And there are those who in the world today say that if you are saved, then if you sin, you can lose that salvation. They believe that you can give your salvation back. They say things like this. If salvation is a gift, I can give it back. Did you know that there are certain things that can never, no matter what you wanted by your will, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, there's nothing you can do about it. These things are sure. One of the Things that sadly has become so prevalent in our American Christianity today is the idea that there is a limited amount of people that can be atoned. There's a limited amount of people that can be saved. This idea that God chooses people to be saved and others are not chosen, and so they, no matter what they do, are going to go to hell. They say things like this, I believe in predestination. Do you believe in predestination? Well, yes, I believe in predestination. But what does the Scripture say we're predestined unto? To be adopted unto the family of God. There are certain things, listen, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, whether you want to or not, and I don't know why anybody would not want to, You are part of the family of God. You with me? You can't do anything about it. It's done. The scripture says that you are chosen. Chosen for what? You are chosen to be conformed to the image of His Son. You are chosen. There's nothing you can do about it. You're chosen to be part of the family of God, predestined to be to made into the image of His Son. Do you know what that means? If you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead. Now it has to be with all your heart because that's what the Scripture says. Philip said to the eunuch, and when the eunuch said, what must I do to be baptized? He said, believe with all your heart. It can't be part of it. It can't be, you know, I, I, I think this Christianity thing may be true, so I'll kind of give half myself to it. No! You have to believe with all your heart. <laughs> there are many people today who tried Christianity, and they're not saved because they tried it. <laughs> it cannot be that we try Christianity and move on. It is that we have faith. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin and rose from the dead the third day. We believe it. 
with no unequivocation and not blindly. And we've gone through this and we don't have time. I'm getting away from the subject matter. But Jesus Christ is God who came and died and rose. And the evidence is ample. To not believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead is to believe those things that do not make logical sense. And so many come with emotion and say, well, this whole Christianity thing seems so great. And then they face some hardship in their life and they say, well, this whole Christianity thing isn't all it's wrapped up to be. Because I feel bad. Because I did a bad thing. Because I found myself being uh, being punished for something that I've done. Or I faced some kind of hardship that I wasn't facing before I got saved. When somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, almost immediately I begin to pray in my heart, Lord, would you please keep the devil from causing some bad thing to happen in this guy's life? In this lady's life, if, if something bad happens, Lord, that I just know there's a good chance they're going to say, they're going to blame you. They're going to be mad at you. They're going to say, Christianity isn't true because bad things happen to me. Here's the thing, bad things happen to everybody. But one day you're going to go to heaven where no bad thing will ever touch you. And if you have truly trusted Christ as your Savior, that is what you look to for perfection. Not here. Here. You walk by faith, not by sight. But there, you will see all things. And so may God help us. I was given a story, and it's a true story of uh, Pastor Chris, the the man who mentored me and, and taught me so much. One of his mentors was a man who would get into a plane, fly to another country, and stay there for months with nothing but what he had in his suitcase and the money he had in his wallet. He didn't go and say, we're going we're gonna to spend uh, such and such years trying to get over there. He just got on a plane and went. And one day, he decided he was going into the heart of Africa. And he was told, don't go for more than two months because it's crazy. You, you'll start, you'll start uh, there will be some demonic thing, devilish things. And brethren, the devil is still real as is his henchmen. And the things that you read in the Scripture that you say, man, that's crazy. That stuff doesn't happen. It's happening. It is happening. And sadly, more and more in our country, as more and more people open themselves up to these demonic things. But they do this regularly in Africa. And there's real devils that will get a hold of them. And while he was there... Um, He said, after two months, things are going great. I'm going to stay. And he stayed. And after six months or so, he came back and he said, I've lost my salvation. He said, I'm not saved anymore. He says, I lost my salvation because I I am not an overcomer. He said, let me, let me show you the verses. And, and, he, and he looked into the book of Revelation and he said, I'll show you. I'm not an overcomer. I'm lost. I'm without hope. And, and now I can't get saved again because of what Hebrews says. And that's true. If you, you cannot get saved twice. <laughs> you can only get saved once. But if you're saved, you are saved forever. And so he said, let me show you in Revelation. And so turn there with me to Revelation chapter 2. We look at the, the 
these seven churches in the book of Revelation. He said, I'm, I'm no longer an overcomer. These things cannot be mine. And, and nobody knows what it is that he found himself in the midst of there in Africa. I don't know. But I know this, there have been times in my life where I've, I've wondered, could I be saved? Now, it wasn't because I was uh, immersed into some sin. But it's so often because I find my heart drifting away. I praise God for His grace. I'm so thankful for the men and women who've, who've uh, lived their life for the Lord. And, and even though they found themselves sometimes doubting or doing things and living in a way that, that, was, that was not what we would say is a perfect Christian, yet they continued unto the day they died to know and love Christ. And I've talked about many of the people who have lived their life for Christ, but in the midst of, of their Christianity, in the midst of their life, they found themselves struggling, whether it be William Carey, Adoniram Judson, whether it be the D.L. Moody or the Dark Depression of Spurgeon, whether it be any one of the, the many examples in the Scripture, David, Paul himself, who said, I'm the chief of sinners. I am glad that I am not going to heaven based upon how I feel today or tomorrow or even what I've done today or tomorrow. It is because of Christ and Him alone. Because of His blood and by faith I believe that He died for me. If you notice there in Revelation chapter 2, now who wrote Revelation? John, right? John wrote the book of Revelation. Which John? John the Apostle. He was a pastor to the churches in what we often call Turkey today, and these seven churches in particular. And so in, the, in chapter 2, starting there, the Scripture says uh, to the church, a message to Ephesus, said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, Write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them, which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them to be liars. And hast borne, and hast patience, and hast, for my name's sake, has labored, and not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. And brethren, when our hearts are far from God, there is one sure solution, and one only. Repent, turn unto the living God. Be willing to turn from the things that are taking your heart away. And turn unto Him. No doubt the people that he was talking to had stopped being faithful to learning the Scriptures. Maybe they'd stopped being faithful to gathering themselves with believers in what the Bible calls the church. Maybe they had given themselves over to the, the pleasures of the world, at least for a season. And Jesus said, repent. And brethren, there's a lot of things that... We as God's people, we ought to be willing to repent and say, you know what, I'm turning away from that 
and I'm turning unto Him. May God help us to do this and not to be so, so immersed into the things that steal us away from God. Those things, the weights and the sins which so easily beset us. Then in verse 7 he says, He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And I believe this tree of life is the same tree of life that was being spoken of in the book of Genesis. It's the same tree of life that after Adam and Eve sinned, God put them out of the garden and He set up two angels with flaming swords so that they couldn't get back into the garden. Not to eat the apples or the oranges or the bananas, but not to eat of what? Of the tree of life. Why? Lest they live forever. You might say, well, why wouldn't God want them to live forever? Believe me, you don't want to live forever in your sin. And Jesus Christ to die to take away my sin as far as the east is from the west. And when I go to heaven, I'm going to be able to partake of that fruit and live forever without sin. I haven't eaten it yet. And I ultimately believe the fruit is Jesus Christ Himself. But I know this. This tree which is in the midst of paradise is talking about heaven. And here... John, by the inspiration of God, says that overcomers are going to be able to do what? Eat of that tree. And therefore what? Live forever. Where? In paradise. This place where this tree is. Man, I was talking about saying, I'm not an overcomer. I've lost it. It's gone. It's gone. Continue to look. You read there and with the, uh, the church in Smyrna. He says... In verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and he shall tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And so if you overcome, you will not face the second death. We talked about in Sunday school what the second death is. Revelation 21 tells us that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the second, uh, uh, Revelation 20. This is the second death. And here's the truth. Every person who has not called upon the Lord Jesus Christ has not believed that He is the Savior. They're not only going to die in this world, they're going to be taken from the oceans, they'll be taken from the ground, they'll be taken from hell, raised again to face God, and they're going to be judged according to their works. And when they're found lacking because they have not believed on Christ, the Scripture says they're going to die again. Not to annihilation, but to being cast into that lake of fire. Without Christ, we have no hope. But with Christ, you have every hope. And that hope cannot be taken away. But how can I be an overcomer if I don't do the the things that I know I'm supposed to do up into the end? What if I fail to do one of them? (laughs) Believe me, you've failed to do much more than one. (laughs) 
you fail to do much more than one. But you're overcome not by what you have accomplished in this world, but by your faith in Christ. In Thyatira, he says, verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and the vessels of the potter. Shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father? And I will give him the morning star, and he that hath an ear, let him hear. Again, this is speaking about the millennial kingdom. And, and uh, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, you will rule in that kingdom. Those who are taken, resurrected, the, the people of God the, throughout the church age... We're going to be resurrected if we've died and we're going to be taken up if we haven't and we're going to be given new bodies and we'll be ruling and reigning but only if we're overcomers. What does that mean? I forgot 17 in in the the church in Pergamos. He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And I'll give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. What that means, I'm not exactly sure, but it sure sounds heavenly to me. <laughs> and that wonderful manna, which is the Word of God. You know, how many of you ever struggled to know the Word of God? In heaven, you won't struggle anymore. <laughs> I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. Continue on in verse 5 in chapter 3. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Well, who gets clothed in white raiment but those who are in heaven? And I will not blot out His name out of the book of life. But I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. In verse 12, To him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Even to this church in Laodicea, he says in verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down on my father's in his throne. I want you to notice what he says there. Even as I overcame. How can you overcome? It can only be because Jesus Christ has overcome. He did rise from the dead and He has overcome death. He had every sin of the world nailed to Him on that tree. The Scripture says that the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, was nailed to the tree with Him. Who did Jesus bleed and die for? For all the world. For every man. The sin of the world was nailed to Him. And yet, He rose from the dead. How could that be? He is God, and He loves you, and He loves me. In Philippians 1.6, the Scripture says, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Not might perform it, will perform it. Brethren, 
The only question is, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead? If you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, surely, surely, there will be new life in you. And you will no longer be what you once were. Maybe you got saved when you were young. You are not what you would have been had you not gotten saved when you were young. Some people, they talk about my testimony and they say, Pastor, I wish I had a testimony like yours. I sure wish I could have gone to college and been a big old drunk and, and uh, said all kinds of bad, nasty words and did all kinds of bad, nasty things that continue to plague my life today. I just wish that were true. Be saved at five, it's much better. Amen. But I tell you what, without Christ, without Christ, you might not be five anymore, you might have gotten saved when you were five, but now you're 19. Without Christ, I promise you, your life would be far different than what it is today. You might say, well, I've, I've sometimes thought I wanted to go and do the things that my other friends were doing. You knew, you knew there was something that inside you that said, stay away from such things. Amen. It was the Holy Spirit of God. It may have been that you dived right into those things. The Holy Spirit of God was still there. Not that He sinned with you, but He was still in you. And He, if you're here today, undoubtedly pulled you out before it ruined you any further. Please, understand that the grace of God is greater than anything we can imagine. How do we overcome? Well, turn to 1 John chapter 5. Who wrote the book of Revelation? Who is he writing? Who is he writing to by the inspiration by the, the very words of Jesus in the first in chapter two and chapter three? Those churches that you could find in what we commonly call Turkey today. Well, who wrote first John? Was it a different John or was it the same John? Do you think this letter made it to the same churches that he was talking to in the book of Revelation? Yeah, I think so. It would seem illogical to believe that the scriptures of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John did not also make it to the churches, which was their habit to get an epistle and copy it and send it to another church. Well, what does 1 John chapter 5 tell us? 1 John chapter 5 in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And so what plain statement do we hear there? (laughs) If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that means the Messiah or Savior. Now we've got to be careful because you need to believe that He's the Christ of the right thing. There were some who believed that Jesus was the Messiah who came to, to destroy the kingdom of Rome, the empire of Rome. But He did not come to save us from the enemy of government. 
He came to save us from the enemy of ourselves. He came to be our Savior from sin. If He came simply to save us from government, we'd be in a whole heap of trouble because one of us would rise up another government to oppress the people. And you know what? It might have been me. <laughs> Without Christ, it might have been me. Right? Jesus could have could have wiped out the Romans and said, we're done with that for now. Given enough time without Jesus dying for sin, somebody else would have risen up. It's always been the case. You can go back to just after the flood. And you can see throughout history, nothing but government rising up to oppress and to steal away from God. Jesus came to save us from our sin. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are born of God. What did Jesus mean when He said you must be born again? He meant, believe that Jesus is the Christ and you'll be born of God. Not just your mom, you'll be born of God. Right? When you were born of your mother, you were born of water. When you're born of God, you're born of the Spirit and you're born again. And everyone that loveth Him that begat... Loveth him also that begot is begotten of him. In other words, when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, you become part of a family. Because my mom begat me and my brother Tom and my brother Paul. My wife has begotten all five of our children. Now she didn't create them, God created them, but she bore them. And so if you're begotten of God and I'm begotten of God, what family are we part of? God's family, the same one, right? My five kids are Junos. I'm a Juno. If you're born of God, you're part of the same family. Now my kids may fight here and there. And in the age in which we live, it's hard to see this sometimes. Because the sad thing is, and it's very, very sad, is that in our age, this last time, brothers fight against brothers, not because they lost a video game, but because they sincerely hate their brother. I mean, they don't want anything to do with them. That's not good. It's not, right? You know, I I beat up my brother when he was little, and then he got bigger, I don't beat him up anymore, and so we don't fight anymore because he can beat me up now. But I love my brother. Both my brothers can be a little wacko sometimes. But I love them. Right? That's a good thing. But here's the amazing thing. Even if I lived in a family where my brothers hated me, I live in another family now. You know that we ought to love one another. Amen? Because we're begotten of the same Father. You with me? You know, there's some families, it's hard to see this because their families ripped to shreds. I mean, it's, and that happens a lot today. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad. But don't equate what your family is to the family of God. <laughs> don't equate those things because they're different. God is God. But He says, listen, if you're born of God, you love the other ones that are born of God. It just makes sense. Verse 2, by this we know that we love 
uh, that, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. And that's pretty easy to understand. What are the commandments of God? Love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> and so it makes sense that we love our brethren because not only more, not only are they our neighbor, but they're of our own household. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not grievous. By the way, the truth is, is that anybody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, if they are taught the Scripture, they'll say, you know what, it makes sense for me to obey that. Not because it's the rule of law, but because I am filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's working in me and I'm beginning to do these things not by the rule of law, but because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And there's that's two different things. You know, you could try to keep all the law of God and never be saved. That's what Paul said. I kept the law greater than anybody else in the world. But I wasn't saved. <laughs> right? And so it's not a matter of keeping God's commandments by law. It's keeping God's commandments by grace through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. When I got saved, I stopped being a drunk. Not because I thought, well, that's the law. And if I don't do that, I'm going to, be, I'm going to get killed by it. No, God changed my life. Before I was saved, I'd say every kind of bad word you could think of. After I got saved, I stopped saying those things. Not by the rule of law, but by grace. Now there are some rules that I'm struggling to, to, to keep sometimes, but God is great. But I praise the Lord for everything that He's done in my life. Verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, how are you born of God? Believe that Jesus is the Christ. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're born of God, and therefore you have overcome the world. But continue reading. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so by by what do we overcome? By our faith. But he wanted to make it as crystal clear as possible. So he just kept going. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to ask you a question. Did that man who went to Africa and maybe stayed too long, did he lose his salvation there in Africa? Did he come back without it? Was he not an overcomer or was he? If he believed that Jesus is the Christ, he was born of God. If he believed that Jesus died on the cross for his sin, he was an overcomer by his faith, not by his works. You guys with me? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but water and blood. And is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For these three bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. By the way, if you're reading another version other than King James, that's going to something's going to stop there. You say, "Where's where's the verse?" Well, it's here. Here in the King James it says, "For there there are three that bear record in heaven, not period." Continues on the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, because God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We have a great God, don't we? And they're one, and they love you. You're saved today. I want you to have all the confidence in the world that no matter what this world may throw at you, no matter what you may go through, you're an overcomer by your faith. 
If you're here today and you are not saved, if you leave this world without Christ, you will not be an overcomer. You will be overcome. And God's not going to look down and say, I hate you and therefore He's going to say, I must do what's right because I cannot let you into heaven in your sin because you will ruin everything. I'm going to have to send you with the devil. I want you to know, God does not want that for you. He wants you to be saved and to be His forever. By the way, once you're His, you're His forever. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead with all your heart, you're saved. If it was half-hearted though, give Him all your heart today and you'll be saved. Leave the half-heart away. Believe with all your heart. If you're saved today and you're struggling... Endure, you will make it to heaven, I promise. You will get there. Continue with it. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes.